The Lord be with you, everyone. And as we begin, I'm looking forward to seeing a good number of you, I trust, in Florida, St. Petersburg, where we'll be having the retreat that will deal with living in the fullness of God. And that, of course, is in June the 7th and 8th, and you're going to call our office if you're going to be coming or hope to be. Incidentally, that office number, you should have it. It's 830-460-4000. And you can get your place at the retreat. And, of course, our Bible school that begins a new series of modules on April the 26th through the 27th, then you can do the same with that. But right now, let's turn to Psalm 103. Many of you learned this psalm in Sunday school. Others are just familiar with it because it's one of those psalms that we are familiar with. Let me read the first verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I'll stop there. It's one of those psalms you just could keep on reading. But I want to center very specifically in verse 2, where it says, To bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. You will find as you read the psalms that they are Uh, an echo of much of the earlier part of Scripture. And sometimes it's a full quote, and unless you've read those older books, the books of Deuteronomy and so on, you might miss it. Well, this one is an echo of a lot in Exodus and Numbers, as well as Deuteronomy, and also beyond that. But it describes the people of Israel in their continual failure to live this incredible life, this gift that God had given to them. And last time we were together, we, we saw Israel at the, the beginning of that sad, uh, yes, it's sad, it's tragic journey that they had of continually contradicting the gift that God was giving to them. And so, as we saw, they're standing before the Red Sea, and Pharaoh comes to them, and he's, uh, and they melt, even though they had the word of God specifically, that this was going to be the time of uh, closure to their slavery in Egypt. It would finally be forever over. They, <laughs> well, you see, they what? They, according to this verse, and as we shall see in a moment, many other verses, they forgot 
what God had said. Now, what God had said at the most was probably three weeks before. So we're not talking about ancient history. He had told them specifically Pharaoh was going to come after them. He was going to bait Pharaoh by putting them in a place where it looked as if they were cornered and captured. But really, it was to bring Pharaoh to that point where once and for all, God, the great I Am, would deliver them and forever have that point in history when he revealed himself as the I Am beyond all other I Ams. And they forgot it. That's, that's the fact. They forgot. Um, and, and so David now is going back over those times. Not only that time, for that was only the beginning of it. Again and again and again, they forgot what God had said. They forgot what he had done. They forgot what he had committed and sworn upon his own self to be to them. They forgot. Well, David goes back to all of that, and and he calls upon his own soul— that's interesting. He is, we would say today, he was talking to himself. It is that inner speak. Would you understand me? My, my inner speak. That is when uh, I speak to I and declare what I understand of me. You know how that goes? Um, and he is speaking within himself, that inner speak, and he speaks thus to his soul. That, that is his essential life and being. Um, and when we, we do that, we, we are speaking, shall I say, to the very core of our being. You could almost say speaking to the subatomic construct of our being, And I do mean that, for we're speaking to our genes, our DNA. We're speaking to our deepest attitudes and the beliefs of our innermost being that control what we say and think and do. He's speaking to his imagination, out of which come all our hopes or despairs. And and he speaks to himself thus. He's taking a position of command. He recognizes that uh, the the area of his his feelings and that whole deep level of his being goes where it will unless I control it with this is my directive. This is where I go. Um, We're not poor creatures that are washed up on the beach of life by some storm that just happened to wash us there, you know. We're not people that are kicked around by other people's opinions. We own our lives in Christ Jesus. And in the ability given to us by the Spirit, we order our life. That, that's, the, that's what he's doing here. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Get with it, soul. And he says, do not, and I'm I'm now inserting, he's saying, don't be like our forefathers. Don't be like those who saw the wonders of God, heard the voice of God, yet within hours and days forgot 
Of course, I'm still putting a question mark there because that, that seems, well, it seems daft, doesn't it? I mean, you've hardly heard it and you forgot it. The, these people, if, they, if, if that's what it really means, then I think they, they need help, some sort of psychiatric counseling to um, who knows what diseases are coming upon their brain if they forget so quickly. But um, we'll see what that means. You see, there is a time in life, and sometimes, many times a day, there is a time to take authority, God-given, spirit-energized authority, over our feelings. You are not the sum total of your feelings. You are not. You have feelings. You are not feelings. And the opinions of the world that pressure us 99.9% are lies and illusions. Now, there's a time where we declare, or another great Bible word, especially of the New Testament, is confess, which is to, uh, shall I say, it is to think the thoughts of God in sync with God. It is to reason God's reasonings. It is then to say what God is saying and declare, this is who I am. This is my identity, a man in covenant with God. So do not forget, do not forget any of his benefits, his blessings that he's poured upon us. So what are we talking about here? Well, forget, forget in Scripture It arises here in the Old Testament, but of course the persons who wrote the New Testament were Jews, and so uh, they, they had this thinking. Forget, then, in Scripture is not, hear me carefully, it is not how we understand forget here in our Western um, world. I might say English speaking because many listening around the world speak English as we English taught you. And, um, and therefore, you're, you're in the same boat. You think of this word forget much the same as we do. Well, let's, let's, let's cancel that out. It does not mean that. So forget the word forget in Scripture is not describing some sort or some um, positioning of amnesia. You know, it isn't that suddenly your mind goes blank and, and it's just gone. You no, know, well, that, that's not what this is talking about. It's got nothing to do with having a bad memory. That's what I mean, you see. If the word means that, then how could you possibly forget the ten plagues, when they were only within the last six, nine months. You, you understand me? Um, that would. How could you ever forget walking through the base of the Red Sea? You could, I mean, no, if people could forget that in the sense of having amnesia or a bad memory, then they need some medical help. No, the... By the And this is going to change everything. It will change the way you read Scripture. The word forget, what does it mean in the Bible? What's the Hebrew meaning of the word forget? And how it comes into the New Testament in in that language. Forget in the Bible is a choice. See, here in the West, um, 
we, it, we don't look at it as a choice. It, it's a thing that happens to us, and sometimes embarrassingly so, that suddenly our mind is blank and we don't remember. But that, that's not so in Scripture. In Scripture, forgetting is a choice. Uh, it could be very, very subtle. In fact, I think it is every time. It isn't, it isn't something you sit down and say, well, I'm going to make a choice about this. It's, it's so subtle, it's hardly noticed. Many times because we've got into the habit of doing it. It, it just, it, it's a choice we realize we've made after the fact. And what are we, what are we choosing about? Well, the word forget in the scripture is the choice to leave an event that is and we're talking specifically of the what God does. So we, we will say to to leave one of God's signs and wonders that has come into history to change absolutely everything, to leave it, and also along with that, or apart from it, but to to hear God's word, to have His word present Himself to you in an unmistakable way and the choice to leave it. That is, leave it in the point in history where it happened. Follow me very carefully. Here, the plagues happened. Well, the Scripture says they forgot. They forgot it. Well, that means they said, well, it happened. That was nine months ago. And God is no longer doing that anymore, you see. So we, we know it happened. You see, not forgotten. It's not left your memory. But we have chosen to now act as if God is no longer interested in doing anything like that again. And God spoke, but well, you know how it is. God spoke, but I'm not sure about that. It seems a bit much to me. And so we just leave it as an interesting curiosity at that point in history. And so God did something. He did it, you know, last December. Well, that's it. We leave it there. And and in 40 years' time, we'll probably give some uh, tattered testimony about what God did 40 years ago. It, it, it's stuck there. And, and God spoke as you were praying the other morning. It leaped out, and it was so marvelous, at least until noon. And, and by the next morning, you were ready for something else, because that just sort of was, well, that was yesterday. No, that's forgetting, you see, forgetting. Uh, forgetting is not to bring such events of, of God's activity not to bring such speakings of his word into us, not to bring them into this present moment. See, we, we, we've dumped it in the past. That means you forgot it. What you should have done is bring it right into this present moment, release it into what is happening now, for what he did was but the announcement of what he continually now is to the people. And what he said hangs upon history until it is performed, and it hangs there as a mighty energy that's bringing to pass what he said. 
And therefore, I can't leave it there. It's a living entity that is with me in every hour and every day, waiting to do as it said. And so to to leave it back there, to lock the door on it and say, well, that was interesting. You've missed the whole point. It is to now, in this moment, affect how we think, affect how we speak, affect how we expect. We, we don't leave it back there because for, that means that that event, that word, is no longer accessed into this present moment. You know, the, the, I, I'm talking... Uh, of a vast number of believers that read God's Word as history, which, of course, it is. It happened as the clock ticked, and it's it's actual time-space history. But to think that's all it was, no, that, that, that Word of God, that revelation of God, which happened in time-space tick-tock history— is not there just as an historical study and to be memorized and stored away as irrelevant to my present life. No, we're talking about the living word that is now once spoken to me, is with me, in me, around me, ahead of me to be fulfilled on and on in time-space history. Um... So to forget in Scripture means you're not listening now to what has been said and done in the past. In fact, you're actually ignoring it. You're well aware that it happened, but you ignore it as an irrelevant fact. I mean, yes, it happened. And I'm I'm honestly thinking of people I know that can speak of the activities of God recorded in Scripture and recorded in our own history in days just gone by. But, well, it happened, and on their way they go as if it didn't happen because it's irrelevant to the present moment. God's Word becomes trivia, something you answer in Sunday school quizzes, you know. Or if you're going to some sort of Bible school, they give you that funny stuff called true and false, as if you can do that with God's Word. It's just trivia. Is that true? Is it a, no. Just an interesting curiosity? No. You're forgetting. You're leaving it back there to be talked about, to be debated, like a butterfly stuck on a corkboard to be pulled apart. You, you know about something without any involvement in it or participation in this present moment. You get it? That's forget. I, I suppose you could say the word forget. It means that, how could you put it? God's word for you anyway has lost its freshness. You, you know, you go to the store, especially some of these country stores around here, where I live, um, and and you look at the the can, and and it it tells you it expired, you know, three months ago. Um, it, it's got a short shelf life. 
And for many people, God's word has a shelf life. Daft, isn't it? You see, it's got a shelf life. And, and, and so he said it, but well, that was a long time ago. I don't know if it still works, you know. Who knows if you open that can? Um, it's expired. No, no. God's word never goes stale. It is as fresh in this moment as it was when first spoken. The event, the burst into our history is but the promise. This is the way God is. And what you have seen here, he shall be to you as history unfolds. Forgetfulness in the Bible means that an event or a word is no longer present to you. It's a was, a once was. But it's not present to my now consciousness. I'm no longer alert and aware to its vibrating power. So forget describes a person who knows about, in fact, could know a whole jolly lot about God and his ways, but they neglect it. They overlook it. They're not interested in ordering their life in this minute according to all that God has revealed of himself. No, that, that, that's past. That is, everybody knows it probably by heart, but have forgotten. It's back there. It's got dust on it. That, that's the idea, you see. That's the idea. Um, all that we have seen, all that we've heard, all that we know of life in Jesus Christ, revelation received. But if it is not acted on and listened into my heart to become now my way of looking at and living life, then it becomes just part of that academic library that's buried somewhere in the basement of the brain. It's, it's sad. The Word of God becomes like an old frayed brown photo. You know, do <clears throat> I grew up with those things. They, they were stuck in a book, and there they were. And of course, in those days when you had to, it was a big event to take a photo, so everybody got all dressed up and, and stood there like tin soldiers looking into the camera. But that was, you know, the, do you know how the old photos, they got brown and, and people had looked at them enough that the frayed edges. See, it, it happened with no doubt. They, they lived, but now they're just memories in a scrapbook. They're not with us now. That's not happening now. You, you'll hear this forgetfulness by persons who hear what God is now saying, which, of course, is but the glorious en energy of God echo that comes into my present moment. And, and, and he's, he's speaking his word. And the response of such people is, oh, yes, of course, but and then give you their real heart where they've forgotten. Uh, yes, I, I know that was said, isn't it wonderful? But it's quite irrelevant to my situation now. Every voice around, every pressure has been given a lot more listening time and believing time. 
So I say that, that that's what David was playing off. That he was aware, along of course with many of the persons who knew knew the Lord, they they knew what had happened in their ancestors' history, and. Um, so what, what does it look like when a person forgets? Let me give you a few scriptures. Um, Psalm 78 is a big one. Psalm 78 and verse 7 and 8, let me read. Um, and he's speaking about these Israelites that we were talking about last week, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God. So it means if you forget in the sense we've been now just saying, the works of God, then your confidence in God is sapped away. Um, And then he goes on and it says, and not be like their fathers, that is those who forgot, a stubborn and rebellious generation. He says that to forget God's word, you become stubborn. That is the yes, but people. To everything that God would say, I've got a but stubborn, rebellious generation. They did not prepare their heart, and that word prepare means to present yourself alive and alert, and now to the speaking one, the God of love. Well, these people don't do that because he belongs to the past. That was in the good old days. That was in the time of revival. That was back there in the 60s, you know. Their spirit was not faithful to God. That describes forgetting him. Or, oh, But in the same psalm, in verse 10, it says, they did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his ways. They forgot his works and his miracles that he had shown them. They wrought the wonders. That, that's what forgetfulness is. This is an interesting one in Psalm 106, where he it's written about after they came through the Red Sea. That that was a big change of mood. We didn't get there last week. But they went through the Red Sea, and Egypt was crushed by the waters behind them. And on the shores of the Red Sea, on the other side, um, it was Miriam that grabbed a tambourine, and they begin to dance and, and sing at the top of their voices praise to God. Okay, so this psalm says, So he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them, Pharaoh. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy, and the waters covered their adversaries. That was the Red Sea. Not one of them was left. Then they, these Israelites, believed his words. Of course, (laughs) they sang his praise. Yes, dance, bang the tambourine. Well, that is for a few days. And I mean that. Read the story in Exodus. A few days. Then they quickly forgot his works, and they did not wait for his counsel or his words. It's, um, well, there it is, you see. Um, I could keep going. There are, are many. There's one interesting one in Jeremiah 23, verse 26. It said, The prophets who prophesy falsehood that is, the religious guys in the days of Jeremiah uh, and those who were, were preaching quite the opposite of Jeremiah, 
And it says that these people who were preaching, they were prophets of the deception of their own heart. They were not presenting what God said. And who intent intended to make my people forget my name by the stupidity of what they were saying. Um, we've got plenty of those. You know, it's possible to expose yourself to lies concerning the character of God, the works of God, the Word of God. You can expose yourself to it every Sunday morning. And the result is you find it's like toxic gas and you begin to forget and see everything that God ever did as in the past and irrelevant to the moment. Yeah. Okay, so believing, believing, the whole ideas of faith, it's not just a mental choice. The, the word believe speaks of um, being a commi- committed to a, a treasure that we, we treasure in, in our deepest heart. Therefore, what we think, what we imagine, what we do and practice in life every day, in the midst of an unbelieving word, this treasure controls what we believe. We bring everything into line with our treasure. Well, have we forgotten? And I'm asking that question to myself. I didn't just come up with this for you. I, I, I let the Holy Spirit apply this. Um, ha- have I forgotten I'd like to speak very slowly now, except I don't have time to speak slowly. So let this sink in. Have I, have we forgotten the realities of the new covenant? Have I? Am I in this moment living aware, alert, expectant of the love of of God in which I live and move and have my being? Am I ordering my life, my thoughts, my imagination, my expectancy in accord with that love? Have I forgotten that Christ is my life, that he is not somebody separate but where I am, he is. We are bound together as one with the Holy Spirit in us. Oh, let Holy Spirit, let that be as real now as the New Testament happening. Have we forgotten that our bodies are the mansion of the Holy Spirit? This is where He dwells. What kind of a person am I that the Holy Spirit Spirit should dwell, be at home, that the Holy Spirit inside of me should actually nourish my soul, enable me in the living of Jesus Christ. Have I forgotten that I am in the presence of the Father, God the Father? 
in exactly the same way as Jesus. I share with Jesus his assurance. I, I am one with him in the knowledge of his acceptance. I am one with Father and Son and Holy Spirit in having sin consciousness erased out of my mind. Am I aware that that is the gospel? Have I forgotten? And when the storms of life come like tornadoes upon us, I hear Jesus saying, why are you afraid? Because that's life in the face of the Father. Why are you afraid? why, Why would there be anxiety? In him we live and move and have our being. Have we forgotten? Forget not. Well, okay, just a minute. Forget not or forget none. Um, That is really remember, isn't it? It's just sort of a punchy way of saying remember. Remember is in fact to forget not. And again, you see, you come on this word and it's got nothing to do with how we remember here in the West. Um, Here we have to send our mind back through the fog and sort of try to get a hold of things as they were. Whereas remember in Scripture is to take something of the past, even if I wasn't there, and I bring it now into the present moment. Yes, did you get it? To remember, biblically speaking, is to bring a past event. And of course, we're speaking of a God event, a God word. We bring it into the present moment. And as we do so, it's power. It's it's nourishing, life-giving ability. It's energy is released fresh into this here and now moment. And in John, do you remember those words? I don't know how you interpret them with the Western mind, but it says that Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he shall bring all things to your remembrance. That is... This is how an average, ordinary Hebrew understood the word remember and how they used it in conversation. But Jesus is saying, in this that we're speaking of, that the wonder of the gospel, the wonder of God's love, the wonder of God coming to us in the incarnation, that he should bring us into union with himself so that I live, yet not I, it is Christ who lives in me. The Holy Spirit is the remembrancer. He is the one that brings it out of the dust of the past and brings it to us in this moment, the very polar opposite of the word forget. And doesn't just bring it here to say how interesting, but to release that original power into this moment, into this here, into this is now. The immediate presence, energy, ability of God's love in a past action is now, here, and now. That, that's the word remember. You see, the cross happened 
on a specific day in time-space history, when the sun rose in the morning, when on that day it was dark at three in the afternoon, on that day it was the day unlike any other day, but it was a day on a calendar. It was history. The resurrection took place in time-space history and in his resurrection body. He was there with the ticking of the clock, sitting at the kitchen table. His ascension to the right hand of the Father happened as you could be looking at your watch and marking the time on the calendar. Yes, please understand me. I'm not denying any of that. I'm either affirming it. But what I am saying is... And, and I'll use this word carefully, you are entangled with that. If you know anything about quantum physics, please, that's how I'm using it. Entangled. It means that 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 I've just spoken of is you now. You, you, that's remember. You see, it, you can't look back and say that back there, you know, and, and looking at something that makes you all sad about it, that Jesus died for me. I mean, yes, in history. But at the same time, remember, remember. And the word entangle, a, a physics word, which means that that cross, though it be in history, is immediately, faster than the speed of light, is now. That's me. That's you. I was crucified with Christ. Yes, you were buried with him and raised with him, says Romans 6. You are now seated with him. There's no space, there's no time. Where he is, I is. Where I is, he is. Or as John says in his epistle, that as he is, so are we in this world. Are you, you getting this? It's not something we look back to. It's something we now live in the throb of its energy. The disciples, there's a, it's just a one-time record, you know, some of these things you see in, in all the Gospels. But this is it's just recorded, and it's just a little thing. But it, it's an insight into this. Matthew 16 and 5. Um and as I say, it's just a record of something that happened with the disciples and Jesus. And it says, And the disciples came to the other side, had forgotten to take bread. <clears throat> now, they'd forgotten, and, and that word is not as strong as the one we've been looking at. It, it, they, they had um, left bread out of their list as they got in the boat. And Jesus said to them, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. (laughs) For Jesus to say that had nothing to do with the fact that they had no bread with them. He just, he was bringing that up of, watch, beware, leaven of... They, (laughs) they began to whisper and discuss among themselves, saying, you know why he said that about leaven, you know, bread? It's because we took no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, see? So they're now getting all stressed out. And they're saying, here we are on the other side of the lake, and there's a desert place, and we've got no bread. 
And Jesus is bringing the subject up, which he wasn't. But, but Jesus, aware of this, heard their whispering, looked at the anxiety on their face, and he said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Well, why would you do that? Then he goes on, listen. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? Well, what's that about? Jesus is listening to them as they're spiraling into anxiety over the fact they didn't bring any bread, so they're going to go without lunch. And they're, they're all fussed out about it. Jesus says, what on earth are you got? And notice he says, you have little faith. Therefore, he's tying this present micro-mini emergency into faith, into their relationship with him and with the Father. He says, little faith. And then, then he goes, don't, don't, don't you understand? Interestingly, the word understand in Scripture, it, it means a joining place. It, it would mean where two rivers come and meet together. And, and I, I like that. Understanding is where everything comes together. Um, and, and when we're dealing with understanding and the Holy Spirit, our teacher, it's when our life as human beings comes together with the reality of walking in the love of God. He says, are you still thinking all separated? that Well, that happened. You see, it happened. Something we can tell our children, you know. <laughs> Don't you understand? Hasn't that come together to forever change your life? That there were 5,000 men plus their wives and children. Don't you remember? I mean, it was only a few days ago. Don't you remember? And we took five loaves and two fishes. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And we fed the 5,000 and their wives and children, and you guys were involved. It happened in your hands as you handed it. Don't, don't you remember? Or do you think that is back there, stuck in history to be forever spoken of out of that old scrapbook of things that happened once? Don't you understand? That is, doesn't that come now into the flow of your life that you will never live life without remembering? That's the way reality is. But that didn't only happen once, did it? It happened again. Don't you remember? When we had seven loaves that time, you remember? There were 4,000 men with women and children. And do you remember afterward, we didn't only feed the 4,000 or the 5,000 come to that. We had large baskets to carry all that was left over. Don't you remember? Don't you understand? Has it not come together? That that wasn't just an event 
sort of a tableau that, that says, wow, look what happened. No, that was to tell you that from here on out, when it comes to bread, you have the immediate love presence of the providing God under all circumstances. Then he says, do you not yet understand or remember? And he is a Jew speaking to Jews. It meant those events don't leave them stuck in history, but bring them into the present moment. That as our Father fed us, when there were, well, 5,000 with women and children, 15,000, and he fed us with next to nothing, I wonder how he'll feed us now. Because never again, never again can we look at the refrigerator without realizing the love presence of the providing Father God. That's what he was saying. Do do you hear it? They just like regular human beings are saying, well, that happened once, that was great. Now let's get on with life as normal, which means we forgot to take bread and we're going to starve today. Hmm, I hope you're getting this. James 1 speaks to this in verse 22. He says, uh, and James was a very Jewish guy, uh, maybe the most Jewish of all the New Testament writers. And he, he says, prove yourselves doers of the word. That is not something to be looked at, but done. Do not merely be hearers of the word who delude themselves. Because if you're only hearing it and it's not being listened to and done into life, you miss the point. For, he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. I mean, do I have to say what that means? Go to the bathroom, look in the mirror. You see the shape of your face. Then he goes on, For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. He's got to go back there and it starts all over again. He says, No, the one who looks intently at the perfect law or the perfect way, which is the gospel, the law of liberty, and abides or lives in it and operates life from it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer of that in this present moment. This man shall be blessed in all that he does. So, what can I tell you? Um, David, that, that's what David is doing here. I guess I'm just saying all of this to show you where David's head was at, what he was doing. And notice how he goes on after it, just as a point of interest. It says, forget none of his blessings. Then he says, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems. Do you notice something there? Look at it long enough, you'll see it. It's all in the present tense. That is, he's not turning the pages of a scrapbook. He's not saying, hey, do you remember when he pardoned us? Do you remember when he healed us? 
He is speaking present tense. He's doing now what he's just commanded himself to do. He is not forgetting. He is rather remembering and bringing it into the present moment. And he's sitting there and it's coming like like a great tidal wave over him. And he is saying, he pardons all my iniquities. He's now healing all my diseases. He's now redeeming my life from the pit. He's, he's now crowning me with loving kindness and compassion. Huh. You, you see what I'm talking about? It, it's, it's in the present tense. It is now. Look, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. And we have already said that it's the Spirit, Holy Spirit, who is our remembrancer. Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. This is his his work. He, He is presented to us as the teacher. And as I think I've told you before, the word teacher in the Scripture is never someone who teaches about it. Now, that's again what we do today, quite useless actually. The the teacher of the Scripture is the one who doesn't leave you till you're doing it. And, And so in Hebrew, the word for teacher and the word for student is the same word because the teacher knows it because he does it. And he's giving, conveying that to the student that they might do it and thus become teachers. See, that's how it is. The Holy Spirit is the one the one who works this wonder of, well, it's a time warp. It's, it's entanglement. It is that there's nothing in God that is old, was, and worn out. Everything is fresh and now. It's all in the present is tense. And it's the Holy Spirit that accomplishes that. That's how he teaches us. That, that's what he does when it says again in, in John's Gospel that he is the one who guides us. And the language there is of a guide who takes you into hitherto unknown territory. He brings... He, he takes you, what an adventure, what a life that he, you, you don't have an old book that's full of old stories. He leads you right into the heart of them. And you see that your life now is, is ordered by the truth that God is now speaking to you. The Holy Spirit does that. Uh, and that is why. I insist to all my students that we pray those prayers of the New Testament again and again and again, not not as vain repetition, but because our heart cries out at every new revelation, I want to yield and open myself to yet greater revelation. So like Ephesians 1.17, the eyes of your heart, the eyes that are there in the very center of your existence and being, the control. Open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, that I might see, understand, know the hope to which I am called, and to know that the the ability of God that raised Jesus from the dead is now my life. Open my eyes. You see, never quit praying that prayer. 
and never quit reciting the truth of God. Have you ever taken the scripture and read it aloud? There's a time not to read silently. You need to articulate words that your ears can hear after your eyes have seen and your speech has has vibrated and made a sound. And now you hear as well as you see, and you are engulfed in in the Word of God. And to read it slowly, because you're not doing anything so crazy as trying to read through the Bible in a year. It might take you the rest of your life on this chapter, you say. You're reading it and recognizing, yeah, this is now, Holy Spirit. You are now applying this. But to do that again and again. You see, that's the meaning of the word meditation in the Bible. Meditation in the Bible is never an empty mind. It's not, it's not sitting, making a sound to, to exclude all other thoughts. This is focus. This is taking the Word of God, and maybe a good word would be digesting it. Uh, um, actually, we, we see this out here in the country. We, we live, of course, in the middle of cows and sheep and horses, and, and, and especially the uh, cows and the sheep. And we had llamas, and, and they do the same thing. They chew the cud. Do you city folk know what that is? You know, <clears throat> you, after they've eaten, maybe an hour or so afterward, you'll go and they'll be sitting and they're still chewing. It, it means that they digested the food then they regurgitate and chew it again and chew it again and chew it again and digest and regurgitate. They're chewing it over and over again. And that actually is the meaning of meditation. Did you know that? It means that the Word of God is turned over and over and the Holy Spirit throws light on it and leads you and shows you how it applies to life. And then let's do this again. And you read the Word of God. And then you let it wash over you. And you read the Word of God and and you say, Holy Spirit, this is marvelous, you know. Thank you for writing this. And you feel the smile of the whole Trinity. For this Word is yes to you. In Jesus, the Son, and the Father's desire is here, and the Holy Spirit is your educator. And, and see, I mean, you know, I took, what? I don't know, 60 years meditating on Luke 15 before I wrote the book, Uh and I haven't stopped, and so there's a whole bunch of stuff that isn't in the book that I'm talking about. <laughs> Meditation is, is incredible. It, it is sitting down inside the heart of God and listening, and listening. And, and, and the fun is that sometimes as you're, the time you set aside, nothing happened. Of course, that's never the case, but it feels like nothing happened. And then as you're standing in line at the grocery store, it seems that a torrential rain of God's insights and blessings. That's why I always carry a book with me. Well, I could go on there. Um, you, you say recitation and, and repeating it over and over again. It, it, Isn't that religious? Isn't that vain repetition? 
Well, I don't think so, because it's alive with the Holy Spirit. But, of course, if you want to go there, (laughs) you don't seem to have a problem with satanic lies being thrown at you how many times in an evening as you watch television and the commercials, which are essentially 97% lies, uh, or if they're not lies, they're leading you into a hideous dead end, and yet we listen to them and listen to them and listen to them and listen to them. And we don't have any problem with it, except maybe to complain there's a lot of commercials these days. But why do you think that? Why do you think that the, the, the people do that? It's because they understand. As you are exposed to a continual recitation, that after a while you believe it without even trying. Well, now I'm talking about the living, utter, absolute truth of God that he brings to you and brings to you. And that cancels out and excludes the lies and you become a person of truth. You begin to act in this here and now. You forget not and you do remember. You participate in the living Christ. Well, I think there it is. Um, There's more to say, but... There's only a couple of minutes left, and so I'm going to quit there. And I pray that you shall respond with whole heart to the love of God, which is not not past. There's no expiration date. It's not stale. It's as fresh in your life now as when first revealed. Wake up. Forget not. Remember and go on your way in living faith in him. Now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that blessing encompass you, that blessing wrap you around, that blessing uphold you and strengthen you, and give you hope and expectancy of God's glorious future. So I now bless you. That is the way it is.